Greetings. I'm Matt Matthews, one of the pastors here at First Pres in Champaign, and I'm happy to welcome you to our media ministry. Join us in person. We're located at the intersection of Church and State Streets, adjacent to Westside Park in downtown Champaign. Our traditional worship service is at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, and on most of those Sundays, we offer French translation. Our contemporary services on Sunday begin at 11.15 a.m. When you come to First Pres, what you'll find, what I hope you'll find, is a community of people who support each other and who are passionate about making a difference in our community and beyond. You'll find relevant teaching for children and adults. We have at least a dozen Bible studies in small groups, including pickleball, that's right, pickleball, adult choir, a bell choir for all comers, and other programs and events designed to grow your faith and give you and me opportunities to serve. There's a place for you. I'm glad you tuned in. Our scripture this morning comes from Habakkuk, verse 7 of chapter 3 from Habakkuk. Though the fig tree does not blossom and no fruit is on the vines, though the produce of the olive fails and the fields yield no food, Though the flock is cut off from the fold and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exalt in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and makes me tread upon the heights. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, A friend told me uh, that the pulpit of the downtown Presbyterian Church in Nashville is shaped in the form of of a phoenix. Actually, the downtown Presbyterian Church in Nashville, the pulpit is not in the form of a phoenix, but her point was a lot of pulpits are in the shape of things that carry meaning, like a phoenix drawing life from the ashes, or an eagle soaring above life's woes, or or an open book, meaning the the word of the Lord. But... um, That church, the downtown church in Nashville, Tennessee, should know a lot about what it's like to rise from the ashes. Uh, Preachers each week stand at that pulpit, and every pulpit reminds us of this this truth. We we think of the metaphor of the phoenix, but we also think of of Jesus and the resurrection, right? Same, Same sorts of things. Preachers stand at that pulpit, and wittingly or not, they... They talk about how life rises, how people, they, they rise from the figurative ashes to new life. The Hebrew people did it when they left the Pharaoh's hand in Egypt and wandered through that desert and finally into the responsibility and the freedom of the promised land. A fire was kindled, and we just celebrated this, a fire was kindled at that manger when Jesus was born. Talk about rising from the ashes, right? Paul, laid low on the road to Damascus, rose above the ashes of his old life into a new life as an untimely born disciple. We read in Scripture how God delivers God's people from the brink of destruction. God did it with Ruth, this lonely widow who had no chance. People like the Ninevites, much to Jonah's chagrin. You should read that small Old Testament book today. It's a good one. So is Habakkuk, by the way. And what about the story of that woman, 
caught in adultery. Remember that story? The tightening circle of men got closer and closer with stones in their hand because they were going to stone her, which seemed the legal thing to do. Doesn't it seem odd that our religious legalism would cause us to stone people? But that's what they were going to do. And Jesus is on the edge of that crowd, and we wonder, is he going to speak up? How can he, how can he not speak up? And he quietly says to these men, let the one without sin cast the first stone. And they walk away. God is in the delivery business from the ashes of an old life unto the, the joy of a new life. The downtown Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee should know a lot about God being in the delivery business. That church was built in 1814. Have you been to the downtown Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee? In Egyptian style, a beautiful, strange architecture. It was built in 1814. It burned down in 1832. They rebuilt it that year. It burned down again in 1848. What do you make of this? I mean, they need to have some kind of fire protection, don't they? The present building, designed by Philadelphia architect William Strickland, rose from the ashes. It was used as a hospital, commandeered as a hospital in the Civil War. And during the floods of 1927 and 1937, it was transformed into a shelter for those who had been flooded out of downtown Nashville. In World War II, soldiers leaving, mustering out of Nashville to points far, far away, uh, slept in the church by the thousands before they were uh, loaded onto trains and taken away. In 1954, the congregation voted to move out to the suburbs, and they did. But they sold that building to the rem remnant of people who wanted to stay. And instead of tearing it down and making it a much-needed parking lot in downtown Nashville, it remained the building in which these people were the church of Jesus Christ. And it's been that church ever since. I can imagine during the various points of stress and strain in that church's history that many people thought they were done for. In 1932, I'm sure many members wrung their hands and said, how can we survive a fire? Everything is burned to the ground. And in 1948, after having risen from the ashes, when the, when the place burned down again, I can imagine many church members, many of the same people, many of those people who are naysayers, and I'm one of them very often, I'm a naysayer, they imagined and they said, how can we survive a second fire? When the church became a shelter during the Civil War, some people wondered, maybe some of the same people from the very first fire, wondered if the pews would ever hold worshipers again. Would we survive, they said later, a world war? Can we still be a church if half of us leave and go to the suburbs and leave the smaller half behind? But every Sunday... Some pastor climbs into the pulpit of that church and preaches about a God who delivers people from, from sorrow and woe and brokenness and fire. Good news is shared with people who still sit in those pews and who are still vexed 
by the world's problems, still perplexed by them and broken by them. But every new, every Sunday morning, good news rings like a bell. It rings like a hammer on a piece of metal. God is present in the storm with us. That's what they hear. Is that not what we heard last week with Vita? Vita said, we maybe shouldn't pray so much that God delivers us from evil, that, but that, that we pray for God to be with us and that we pray that God would make us mindful that God is with us in the world's trouble. God is with us, transforming us, redeeming us, saving us, healing us to be healers. Is that not what she preached, though better than me? She quoted, uh, Vita, dear Vita, quoted Isaiah 43. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you will not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. I am your Savior. Vita bringing us good news from the Presbyterian Education Board, the education we're securing for young girls in Pakistan. They stood on the stone steps of that decimated building. Uh, logs and, and beams piled around them like smoking Lincoln logs. And they held hands, and they looked around at the ash, and then the buildings unharmed around them, and perhaps that patch of blue sky, and with dejection they said, we are finished. And they sang, we shall not overcome. We are burned down, and we are burned out. And likewise, many stand in the ashes of Gaza, and Kiev, and they say the same things. The wars will never end, they say. We are a people forgotten and bereft. They stand in the cathedrals of once very large populous congregations that have grown as small as a, a single mustard seed, and they lament to one another, and they shout from one distant pew to the next, words echoing in empty space. It is finished for us. The glory days are had and over and gone. God cannot use our few and tired bones for good in this world anymore. The widow says it over the grave of her beloved. How can I go on? The down and out say it as they lean away from the wind floating through downtown streets. The senior says it when her college applications are rejected. The young man believes he's worth nothing. He's worth nothing when he cannot land the right job. And the 60-year-old man says it when he's right-sized from the company he's given more than half of his adult life to. To say nothing of the woman who never earned her full potential in a business world still oriented around men who know nothing of glass ceilings. These dejected saints, and we sometimes are among them, 
For we know what it feels like to be left behind or to be standing on the sole uh, stones left when the building topples. These dejected saints through the ages, they gather and they wring their hands and they look around at the desolation of their lives and they rightly, they rightly have no hope, no hope. Why have hope when the fig tree does not blossom and no fruit is on the vines? Why have hope when the olive harvest fails and the fields yield no food? How can we possibly have hope when the flock is cut off from the fold and there is no herd in the stalls? Many of our brothers and sisters in the church in Luyano, which we leave for in about six or seven weeks, keep praying for us, by the way. Many of our brothers and sisters in Cuba are saying these sorts of things. They stand on the ashes of a failed revolution. They, they like us, they, they are broken. Like us, they stand in need of God's grace. But unlike us, they are practically starving to death. They have no jobs in a ruined economy. Their young people are leaving, leaving, leaving. Why stay? Why stay? They stand on the steps with the ground still hot from the consuming flames. And certainly some in their beleaguered beleaguered number are saying, we are finished, cut off as we are from vitality and life and hope. But somebody in that crowd, somebody in every crowd just like that, somebody says they dare to speak up. They say, have have you not heard? Have you not known? The Lord is the everlasting God, creator of the ends of the earth. Have you not heard? Have you not known? The Lord does not faint or grow weary. God's understanding is unsearchable. Have you not heard? Have you not known? The Lord gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. And people look around and they cock their ear to hear these words. They they hunger to hear. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Even youth shall faint and be weary and the young shall fall exhausted. Yet those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I sat in the pews of the downtown Presbyterian Church in Nashville. And we were welcomed in by gigging uh, Nashville musicians who were trying to teach us preachers, and there were thousands of us from around the world, trying to teach us how to tell a story. And Beth Nielsen Chapman, one of the artists, stood up with her guitar and uh, told us of the death of her young husband to cancer and her own scare from breast cancer not long before. And then she sang this song, which for her rose from the ashes of her life, Every December sky must lose its faith in leaves and dream of the spring inside the trees. How heavy the empty heart, how light the heart that's full. Sometimes I have to trust what I can't know. And imagine, if you will, the voice of John Prime singing the harmony on the second verse. 
We walk into paradise. The angels lend us shoes because all that we own we come to lose. And heaven is not so far outside this womb of words. With every rose that blooms, my soul is assured. It's like a song I've known, yet still unheard. And what was she doing? This artist standing on the stone steps of her life, things still smoldering, a husband still in the grave, this brilliant singer-songwriter standing on the steps of her burned-down world. What did she do? She did all she could do. She sang a song. She sang a song of hope. She pointed beyond the smoke and the ruin. She closed her eyes and she helped us to see too, to see the hope, the love, the life that she saw. And we saw, we saw it too through our own tears. Borrowing from the prophet's words of old, she took those ancient words and she made them her own. She cast them in her own language. Chris, Christian Wyman, the poet at Yale who teaches uh, religion and literature, says, I believe the right response to reality is to scream. He also says, I believe the right response to reality is to bow down. And here in Habakkuk, we have this ancient prophet surrounded by the enemy and bowing down, looking up from the battlements. For Habakkuk, that enemy was an army at the city gates, writes Anna Carter Florence. For us, the same could be true, and many places it is, she wrote this before the Ukraine. She wrote this before Gaza. Or the enemy could be inside the city gates already. Forces at work among us and between us, seen and unseen, she says. The addiction to wealth and the power at all costs, for example. Or white supremacy and other systemic injustices. Or the myth of scarcity that creates economic disparities between rich and poor. Or the greed that fuels our climate crisis and environmental destruction. From this desperate place, Habakkuk stands upon the wreckage of the world, watching the battles rage and rage. He sings a song. He dares to sing a song of hope, of hope in God. And that song rises through the air thick with ash. Though the fig tree does not blossom, and no fruit is on the vines, though the produce of the olive fails and the fields yield no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exult in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and makes me tread upon the heights. God brings light from darkness. God brings spring from the icy hold of winter. Home for those who wander. Joy for those who weep. Even life from death. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exult in the God of my salvation. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. 
Thank you for joining this podcast of First Presbyterian Church Champaign. Visit us at our campus at the intersection of Church and State Streets in downtown Champaign. And for more information, visit us online at www.firstpres.church. Have a great week. Thank you.